We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of BuzzBeat, we get into the Charlotte Hornets without LaMelo Ball, what his injury means for the team moving forward, and get into some trade talk as we approach the trade deadline on Thursday. All that up next. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh! All right, guys, what's going on? And welcome into another Buzz Beat. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Spencer today. Spencer, how's it going? Can't complain. Um, big win for the Hornets last night in San Antonio. They, I mean, as everyone knows, they really, really needed that one because um, it was it was getting ugly out west. I thought it would get ugly on this road trip, yeah. those first three games. Not sure I quite expected that. And then, obviously, uh, what happened with Lamelo. Uh, which I know we'll talk about more, but it just kind of seemed like a nightmare. And then that team last night, man, they really they really came out punching. I mean, you could tell that there was a little hair on their back after the last three games and a little mellow injury. So, uh, but yeah, uh, good, better, uh, I guess was my point after last night. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. I mean, you know this, but uh, the listeners don't, but I am finally fully vaccinated it's one of the perks of being a teacher nice jump the line it feels like i know that there's probably people that are older than i am that probably could use it i guess but i, I definitely took advantage of that and uh it, it feels weird having both of those shots have you scheduled the vaccination yet or you i guess you're not in that rotation yet are you yeah so i, I have scheduled my first shot it's nice. april uh i don't know sometime in mid-april i have to go back and look at my email so yeah coming up excited for that yeah, it's kind of crazy like when it once it started to happen just the amount of people i know in my life that are fully vaccinated now uh it's just like this reality where we just we've, we've lived in this you know pandemic reality for so long where we're just wondering when things will go back to quote unquote normal. And then I really feel like this, you hear nightmare stories, but I I feel like this vaccination process is, is going smoothly might not be the right word, but it's getting done pretty quickly here. And I I would say maybe like from a national perspective, not, not what I expected. So that's, that's a positive. So yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, by this summer, 
we'll really be able to talk about what normal is again. <laughs> uh, to me, I mean, I guess it depends on where you go. Uh, but yeah. to me, the place that I went, I went to Bojangles Coliseum. Uh, if you live in Charlotte, you obviously know where that is. And they were very efficient with the way that they did it. And they obviously, you know, when, when you got your first shot, they were pressing you to, hey, go schedule your second shot. Make sure you, you know, get in this time frame. And, and luckily for me, I know that some people might have had some kind of side reactions and side effects to it, but I, I was I was fine, especially after that second shot. I know that most people say that's when the, the effects occur. I had maybe a little bit more of a headache maybe mm -hmm. versus the first time, but other than that, I, I've been fine. I've been fine. So that's... that's Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you because I've, I've got quite a few people that I've talked to that are fully vaccinated that, like I know my father-in-law really had a, a, a real tough time after his second shot. So yeah, I'm hoping I don't because I actually had COVID and it's not very fun. So I'm hoping I don't have to have like a, a shorter version of it when I get vaccinated again. They do say that uh, if you've had COVID before, that the first shot actually kind of acts like the second shot, if, if that makes sense, like in terms of the antibodies. Uh, so I have heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So almost like you're, you're, you're almost going to feel like you're fully vaccinated after that's that first shot for you. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if the effects will come for you in the first shot versus the second, but uh you know, you'll, you'll probably be one of the lucky ones like me where you just don't really feel it that much. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, and, and to, related to this note, I guess I did see right before we jumped on where the Hornets uh, announced uh, things have gone so well with fans in the stands. They're going 25% capacity. Oh, that's um, right. Actually, I, I, I didn't get the exact date on when that's going to happen, but that's pretty exciting. Um, I've told Kelsey, like nudged her a few times, my wife, like, you know, a uh, great gift for me. I'm really looking forward to being back in Spectrum Center. So, uh, you want to check out some Hornets tickets? I'd love to be back soon. Let's see. I want to say, yeah, starting Friday, March twenty sixth is when that they are going to they're going to push it to the twenty five percent mark. So, so um, this Friday against I'm trying to think who they play Friday. It's a it's a big one. It's a good opponent. Anyways, it's not important right now. <laughs> Don't want to bring up a sore subject, uh, Spencer. But how are you enjoying March Madness so far? Um, yeah. You know, I felt pretty good. I Well, I felt good and bad about Virginia's chances, which is kind of what you're dancing around here. Um, <laughs> I felt good in terms of the Ohio matchup. I, you know, I, I knew that this Preston kid was a player. Wasn't sure they could really punch with Virginia other than that. But we're, we're, with Virginia, just spending all week in Charlottesville, you know, they didn't go to Indy until Friday. They didn't practice as a team until Saturday morning, literally the day of the game for the first time. So you just really weren't sure what you were going to get in terms of the product from them. Uh, and it turned out a really bad one. I mean, they had their, their worst offensive game of the year in Ohio, I, I think punched above their weight offensively in that game. Uh, we saw probably the more real Ohio team yesterday, but other than that observations on March madness is this tournament is exactly what uh, we suspected it could be a weird uh, one. Yep. With, with this season. I kind of zagged against it. I was, I just kind of thought maybe, that idea was getting a little carried away and maybe the cream of the crop would actually rise easier. It, it's either just not that, or there's really not that much cream of the crop this right. year. Um, you know, Michigan has dealt with some injuries, you know, the injury to livers really hurt them. I, I don't think they can play with a Gonzaga, but I mean, to me, it's like, I think it's Gonzaga. I think it's Alabama and Baylor. Like those are the three teams. Baylor's and I think, me. yeah, yeah, Baylor's really good. I mean, those two guards they have, Butler and Mitchell, are phenomenal. Um, so I, I think it's those three teams, and then I think there's a pretty – there's a gap between the next tier, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Well, I'm a Florida fan, as many followers or listeners of the show know, and uh, I actually fell asleep at the halftime, and I, I had this sense that Oral Roberts was going to come back and win, so I was like, I'm not going to stay up for this, because I feel like Florida's going to blow this, and when I woke up <laughs> in the morning, it's exactly what happened, so. Oral Roberts is good. I mean, I didn't get to see the Florida game, but I watched their uh, their first game against Ohio State. They were misseeded as a 15 seed. I mean, they have the really good point guard I can't remember his name they have that big that can stretch the floor and they defend really hard I mean that team has athletes they have physicality they have size you get one of these teams every year in the tournament yeah. you're just like how are they at 13 14 15 seed I think Oral Roberts is that group this year mm -hmm. all right enough of college basketball let's get to the Hornets they are on a west coast trip uh, they are currently at one in three on this trip they had a loss to Denver, unsurprisingly, lost to Lakers, unsurprisingly, and a loss to Clippers, pretty much unsurprisingly. So I think going into this, I think a lot of us thought that a two and three record was going to be a success. And having one against the Spurs, like we just mentioned, and having a game against Houston on Wednesday, and Houston actually <laughs> broke their losing streak the other night, which is great because I kind of wanted that monkey off the back prior to the Hornets game. I would hate for the Hornets to not only lose LaMelo, but also to kind of snap Houston's streak in the opposite direction. So first off, I think the biggest thing, we're not going to break down these games individually, but we've obviously got to look at this team moving forward with LaMelo. He injured his wrist against the Clippers game, and it was funny. He stayed in, and again, you, you never know what those conversations were like with him and Borrego. Uh, if Borrego was pushing it, if Lamella was pushing it, obviously the training staff had to have some kind of say in it as well. No one knew the severity of the injury during the Clippers game. And, and you saw him go up for rebounds, grab it with his left hand, dribble with his left hand. He did not want to put the ball in his right hand unless he had to shoot the ball. And you could definitely tell there was something concerning going on. And it was great to see, I guess, to see him play through the injury and that competitive spirit that you had. You just hope that that didn't make it worse. I, I can't imagine it did that much more damage by playing with it for, I don't know how many more minutes after the injury. But again, the Hornets had to play against the Spurs uh, without LaMelo. Spencer, you know, implications. What are, what are your thoughts about this team? On let's, let's stick with on the court first in terms mm -hmm. of how it affects this team and how good they can be. I mean, you know, now you're kind of looking at the team from last year. Just, right. you know. I had plug Gordon Hayward, which is a big, you know, a big difference, obviously. But I think the number one thing, honestly, Richie, is that the Hornets are playing at such a ferocious pace off of live rebounds, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily efficiently, but they were getting there very often. And so if they're I'm curious to see how much of that they're able to maintain uh, without LaMelo, uh, because I, I mean, you just you, you can't make up personnel-wise, what he gives you in terms of being able to rebound the basketball from the guard position and push the pace just with his speed and his vision, you know, just getting the ball out, Jason Kidd style, and, and mm -hmm. getting it up. So, you know, I, I think they're going to play slower. That's probably a given. But, you know, back to the pace discussion, it does help that they're a good rebounding team from that guard wing position. You know, Miles Bridges Miles plus Bridges, defensive yeah. rebounder, Terry Rozier plus defensive rebounder, Gordon Hayward, you know, good in that area. So still guys that can grab it and go. And I think that Charlotte is going to have to seek those opportunities as much as possible. And I say that knowing that this team is, it's, it's funny because they really get in transition a lot, which we know fourth highest in the league and free in overall frequency. 
fifth highest in frequency off of live rebounds, but by a wide margin, they're the they're the least efficient team offensively out of those live rebound chances, which is really interesting because off of steals, Charlotte is number one in the league yeah, okay. in frequency and the number one efficient team in transition off off of steals. So the the last team in efficiency off live rebounds in the whole league and first off of steals, which is Odd. I'm not. I haven't figured out how to explain that. <laughs> it, I mean, all it tells me is like we're taking too many chances off of live re- rebounds and transition, right? Yeah. Versus in steals, we're athletic. We we finish it, you know. And, and the defense is obviously compromised because it's not off off of a live rebound. They haven't been able to get back. So I say all that to say if, if we actually get into transition a little bit less off of live rebounds. I don't I don't necessarily think that could be a bad thing because it's not like we're turning those opportunities in, into points very often, yeah. if that makes sense. So I, I think there's there, there are net positives in LaMelo being out for the rest of the season in terms of like our true win loss record. I'm not sure Charlotte's going to struggle as much as the national narr- narrative suggests. Um, I think they're going to be in OK shape. And I think that they're still going to be, at the very least, a play-in team. I mean, I, I think they're still good enough to yeah. play for that six seed. I really do. It's funny. I didn't know that stat about the live rebounds. I obviously knew that they were very good off of steals and any kind of early offense that Charlotte can generate. They thrive in that type of game. And obviously, LaMelo plays a big role in that, but they can still play that style. It's interesting. A live rebound and a steal kind of act in the same way in terms of trying to push the pace you know, off of a missed opportunity. But usually with steals, you're clearly have an advantage in numbers or people are at a position. That's probably where you're going to be more effective. On a live rebound, you could be just pushing it just to push it because that's the type of player or that's the type of team that you want to be. Right. Yeah, when when ball is off the court this year uh, versus on, the team is a second slower. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but that that's actually the the highest difference out of anyone on the team, if you were to take out Darling, Kerry Jr., and Riller, because they just haven't had enough game time uh, with this roster here. So when he's off the court, the team will play slower. I do think the transition opportunities will decline. You make a great point about him being a good rebounder um, and starting early offense that way. In terms of the on-court stuff, we're going to have to see Devontae and or Monk step up in his absence. Uh, those two will take over a ton of playmaking opportunities and they're fully capable of doing it. Um, It's just going to be a matter of can they do it uh, in these last handful of games here. But also this team is not, how do I word this? This team is, it's, it's not predicated on one player to take over the responsibilities. We've seen this year how often it can be anyone on any given night. You have players like Hayward that can run an offense P.J. Washington is a ball mover. Zeller, when healthy, gets this offense going with this screen setting. So I don't know if the offense will look all that different other than the pace. You're going to see a lot of ball movement, and there are going to be times where you have to run offense through Gordon Hayward, uh, maybe if he's feeling it. But, yeah, I, I just I don't, I don't know, like you said, I don't know how much worse they're going to be or how much different they're going to be other than the transition opportunities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think of it this way, like transition-wise. I think the, the frequency is going to go down, and I think of it more of, like, if I'm Gordon Hayward or, or I'm Miles Bridges, I'm probably subconsciously not going to run the wing as hard 
when I know that QB one LaMelo ball doesn't that, you know, is not advancing it into the half court and is going to find me in a leverage situation. Not to say Devontae's not capable of doing that. He's just not wired the way LaMelo is. So I think there are some, some mental kind of psychological almost reasoning to why, to why the Hornets are just going to play slower now. I mean, it's personnel and it's like, we just understand that we're going to have to operate in the court in the half court more often. And by the way, I think this team has a chance to be a little bit more efficient in the half court without LaMelo. And that's not me bashing LaMelo at all. They're not, they're going to have to find new ways to get to the foul line. Mm -hmm. But I do think that having Devontae Graham initiate the offense coming off ball screens, defense has got to be up more that, 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 you know, and LaMelo has been shooting it well, but I I just, I think that we saw it last night in San Antonio, Devontae had earlier in that game, San Antonio had to make adjustments. So I think there is a chance that half court wise, this team's a little better and and they're equipped to be a little better if Gordon Hayward can lift a little heavier. And obviously we've seen what Terry Rozier is able to do this year. And and so having those two guys opposed to that roster we had last year yeah. really gives the Hornets a chance to, you know, to, to buoy this the rest of the season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nothing. Before we kind of get into, you know, his injury and how it affects his rookie of the year chances, is there anything that you want to bring up from the San Antonio game that or like a trend that's been happening recently? Because there's one player that you've you know, been a little bit harsh on, I guess. Harsh might not be the right word. You, you've been realistic in, in how he's been playing, but P.J. Washington, I feel like, has turned it around. Have you seen strides mm-hmm. with him probably in the last 10 games or so, just playing with confidence, playing, you know, being decisive out there on the court? And, you know, he's finishing at the rim. He's finishing from behind the arc. And on defense, he's he's blocking shots as well, Spencer. Yeah, he looks a lot better offensively to me in terms of his, and you said it, his his decisiveness, um, his first step. He, you know, he's moving more athletically. Uh, he's getting into, you know, his actions, whether it's just punishing a closeout and, and getting to the post one or two dribbles as quickly as possible um, or kicking it out. I mean, just he's moving a lot better. Still would like to see him convert a few more around the rim than he does, but I, I think that comes uh, over time with PJ he's definitely shooting it better which is going to help everything for him obviously mm-hmm. offensively uh recently probably in the last 10 to 15 games defensively is where I've been most impressed he really has made a huge impact for Charlotte like you said blocking shot as a help defender just from my eye recently I, I would say in the last I don't know five to ten games 
he's he's really been a connector for Charlotte on the back line. And he is the reason too. Like this this small ball lineup with him at five, um, it still has a really good I mean, I mean it still looks good from a net rating perspective. And there's a reason for that because PJ Washington is a good rebounder and he is a, a passable rim. I don't want to call him a rim protector. Right. He's, he's a passable defender at the rim because he's learned to play with physicality and he's learned to play with verticality. He does those things really well for a second year guy. So I think the biggest difference for him has, has been number one, seeing the ball go in more often. And like I said earlier, he just, he looks like he's in better shape to me. Uh, he's moving around there. He's moving around the floor just a little bit more effortlessly than he was at the beginning of the year. So I, I think you're dead on. I, I really like what I've seen from PJ uh, because the beginning of the year certainly surprised me. And he and look, I, I wasn't saying that I, I didn't think PJ Washington was was going to end up being what we thought what kind of player we had in his rookie year. I was just disappointed in the fact that he was as out of shape yeah. as he was. But he's turned the corner now. Those observations were definitely fair, and, and actually Borrego hinted at it. I talked to Brian to this point last week how he hinted at the fact that he's now committed himself to the weight room and uh, the training staff and all that stuff, almost saying that previously he was not in the best of shape. So you you called it early on, and it was uh, very evident in the way that he was playing. In terms of LaMelo Ball off the court, I, I think this is a question that's going to be coming up uh, on Twitter question that's going to be you know circling around is whether or not he can or should win the rookie of the year now he did undergo successful surgery on his right wrist and they said that they're going to reevaluate him in four weeks I'm not getting my hopes up that uh, you know he's going to be playing again this season but there could be more games under his belt but let's just say that his season ends today and he's not playing a full season He's playing like 60% of the season. I definitely think it's a shame that he could or may lose out on the rookie of the year because he's sidelined for the remainder of the season. I know that we're biased, so it's probably not the best type of uh, conversation to have here. But I, I think he's played so well, Spencer, and he's been the clear-cut favorite pretty much throughout the course of the year. I think he has to win rookie of the year. I think if it was one of those things like Joel Embiid that one year, I think it was like 2016 mm-hmm. where he played like 30, like games. 30 games or yeah. something. That's way different. Yeah. It's a little bit different and playing 41 games. I think he played half. The, well, I guess not half the season. It's more than half the season because we're not playing an 82 game schedule. Yeah. He's but, almost played 60% of the season. Right. It's way different than the Embiid situation. Yeah. I wish it was maybe close to like 50, 55 games. I would feel more confident that the voters would go in his direction. But to be honest with you, I still think that he can win rookie of the year. I'm just not confident the voters will go that direction. I guess I guess it'll all depend on how Anthony Edwards and Halliburton kind of finish this season. And they would almost have to have a, uh, a pretty strong finish. But he's been the clear-cut favorite all year. The one thing that I really, and by the way, I agree with everything you just said. You know, when you look, when you zoom out and really look at it, like I said, he's played six percent of the season. That's not, uh, that's not nothing. Um, it's not Joel Embiid at all. And I think what really helps him ultimately is that Anthony Edwards, although he's kind of gotten it going a little bit recently, he's on probably the worst team in the NBA, right? Arguably the worst team in the NBA. Tyrese Halliburton who, by the way, has cooled down quite a bit recently, is going to end up being on one of the seven or eight worst teams in the NBA, if not one of the worst five teams in the NBA. So those two factors, I would hope, play in LaMelo's 
favor mm -hmm. just in terms of how much he impacted winning for Charlotte before right. he went down. All the advanced metrics, every single one almost, <clears throat> pretty much says LaMelo Ball. But, and this point has been made on another uh, you know, prominent national podcast, not another national a, a national <laughs> prominent podcast we're not nationally prominent yet richie i don't know maybe we are correct me if i'm wrong but you know this is a points assist rebounds award right or, or usually it's a points award mm -hmm. and that's what makes me a little nervous by anthony edwards because you know his efficiency numbers are going to be putrid all the way to the finish line but he's going to anthony edwards is going to get shots up and yeah. he's going to get points and he's gonna you know i think he's ahead of LaMelo ball right now on points per game. I would guess he probably finishes ahead of LaMelo ball. So that's the one thing that makes me nervous uh, is that we're just lazy with this. We're lazy with all awards. Who am I kidding? It's why I really don't get, I don't, it, it doesn't interest me that much. The MVP talk and the rookie mm -hmm. of the year. And we saw it last year with most improved, you know, Devonte clearly should have gotten that award in my humble opinion. You know, he didn't because he wasn't a prominent enough name. These awards aren't, what they read on the award they are it's a little bit of a popularity contest That's true and it's uh an expectation from before and you know so it, they don't mean that much to me I almost hope lamella ball honestly doesn't get the award because i know it's going to fuel it oh that's true right you, you know like i almost hope that you know people are just like oh anthony edwards he he averaged seven, 17 and a half points per game lamella is whatever he's at um yeah edwards edwards is going to get it and he played 82 games or whatever like if that's the conclusion that we make, then that's fine. And I think that long-term that probably benefits LaMelo Ball because I would say he projects, he projects as a, a much, much better uh, long-term player than Anthony Edwards. So that's just a little bit more to push him. So you're saying LaMelo Ball is Joel Embiid in this situation, and then Malcolm Brogdon is going to be <laughs> Anthony Edwards. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I guess you could put it that way. Um I hope that people just understand who the best rookie is. That's LaMelo Ball. Yeah. Uh, but but I would, I would get a little nervous if Anthony Edwards continues to score the way he is and, and plays, you know, 75-plus yeah. games. I think most people will realize that if he doesn't win this award, it'll be because of a technicality, not playing enough games. It's so funny that you mentioned that, uh, you know, they could be out of the running, Halliburton or uh, Edwards, because of the team that they play on. It's so crazy to me that Houston lost 20 straight games and they are still above the Timberwolves. Like, I, I would have thought for sure Houston was in last place in the West. Well, you know, was, I was actually texting a buddy about this the other day. He's He just kind of, he's an average NBA fan, whatever. He was like, oh my God, Houston's lost 20 straight games. I was like, the best part about this before this streak, they were above 500. They were above 500 yeah, wow. before this streak wow. started. Yeah, That's how crazy it is. It's crazy how that that team has just crumbled over the course of the season. Um, they've had a strange, strange season. And just, you know, obviously Oladipo as well. Like, he doesn't doesn't feel like he wants to be there. I don't know if it's Well, I think, you know, I, I kind of feel for Oladipo in this situation because we don't have to go down a Rockets yeah. rabbit hole here. But he got traded there, and it was pretty obvious when they made the trade that they were probably going to shop him uh, before the deadline. They don't want to pay that guy an extension. Houston's trying to get on the cheap here uh, because of their owner and just because of the, kind of the roster outlook. So when that Harden trade happened and Oladipo ended up there, you know, if I were Oladipo, I'd want to be out of there too. It's a franchise going nowhere, and the only reason they acquired me is so they could flip me. So, I, you know, I, I don't I don't hold that against him. All right, we're going to get into some fake trades from listeners. But before we get into that, 
Do you think that the injury to LaMelo drastically affects the way that the Hornets are going to approach this trade deadline? Or do you feel that the, the Hornets were just going to be very conservative regardless of how this was going to look? Or do you think this kind of drastically changes the way that they should approach this trade deadline? I think it's a fascinating question. It's the first thing that um, that popped in my mind after just how bummed out I was with the LaMelo injury. So I think it's a little bit of both, Richie. I, I think that the Hornets will in nature be conservative because of who their GM is. Uh, Cupjack is traditionally conservative at the deadline. Most of his business, again, traditionally has come in the offseason. But the reason it can be a little bit of both is because, you know, this is not – his boss is Michael Jordan, and his boss has a, a team that's at 500, um, you know, closing in on 65% through the year. So I think there's a real good chance that, that the Hornets do something before Thursday. Um, I shouldn't say real good. I, I think it's probably more like 50-50. I know that doesn't answer your question. I, I think both yeah. can kind of be true. Right. Kupchak, is, he will try to improve this roster before Thursday for this season if he can. That I know for sure. He is not going to part ways with <sighs> – I, I would say watch the name Malik Monk. I don't think PJ Washington Miles Bridges are going anywhere, and I do not believe that we are going to uh, part ways with any kind of lottery first future first round right. pick right. capital. If, if it's if it's a first round pick, it's going to be protecting the lottery, in my opinion. So those are the kind of the things to watch. Anything above and outside of that, I think, is on the table. Yeah. I mean, going into it, I thought the chances were pretty low that the Hornets were going to make a trade. And that's just me thinking that they're going to be extra conservative. And 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 then, and then I started to think about it. maybe they will make a trade. Maybe they'll push for a center that's going to improve this team this year and improve this team in years to come. But then the LaMelo injury uh, happens. And then I'm like, okay, maybe they're just going to hold on to all their picks, not, not try to make a big move. Or if they do make a you know, a trade with a pick, they're going to heavily, heavily protect this thing to where it's not going to yeah. be a lottery pick, like you said. So I don't know if I would consider them sellers by any means or buyers. I I just feel like they, you know, whatever comes their way, they're going to evaluate it in the moment. I don't think they really have any kind of expectations going into this thing. But yes, they are going to want to improve their roster, but they're not going to want to mortgage any kind of future as well. I would, I would mention this, um, and this isn't really a trade deadline. I mean, it, it plays into this conversation, so, so it should be brought up. I think that, that the LaMelo injury, and now Devontae Graham taking over the reins here, right. I think my gut is it does increase the probability that the Hornets extend Graham. And I say that because not because I, I necessarily think the Hornets believe Devontae Graham is it, it, part of their quote-unquote long-term future, but what Charlotte really needs is some of that like seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars annually annual salary for trades in the future, like trades this summer mm-hmm. before the draft or or trades before next year's deadline. They don't have that salary. Yeah, uh, right their now. books are very strange in terms of just like you got the 15 it's to young 18, talent. Yeah, yeah it's rookie talent. contracts. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's rookie contracts and it's Gordon Hayward. And because you got Zeller falling off and, and Biombo's on a one year deal. So I, I kind of say, and knowing Mitch is conservative, and I think that I think that they should be talking to Devontae Graham's camp right now and saying, let's sit down, let's let's talk about an extension. You know, I, I would I would start low, seven and a half million, eight million a year, something like that, over over three or four. What do you think? Let, let's let's talk mm-hmm. because the Hornets need that salary to make moves 
in the offseason moving forward. And I think that could be a great first step. You reward a player who's going to be your starting point guard for the remainder of the year with a contract. Give him a little motivation as you're making a playoff push. Give yourself some salary fodder on the books that makes sense and gives you more flexibility moving forward for trades. I don't know. This idea really makes some sense to me. So there's no timeline. There's no deadline on this extension. So it's not like it has to be done by Thursday. But I do think that all that we've seen happen with the Hornets over the last 72 hours do make it a little bit more likely that, that that could happen. Yeah, it's not like Monk where they had to get it done before the the season started. All right, let's get to some fake trades from listeners. I'm not a big fan of these hypotheticals, but I'm going to stick it out here and give my analysis on these trades. I do want to give a disclaimer. Most of these were submitted to us prior to the, you know, the news of LaMelo being injured, so we'll have to cut some slack to those trades. Maybe it feels a little bit aggressive at times, but maybe it's because they thought that they were going to be uh, in position to push for that sixth seed in the East. So here we go. Trade number one, Indiana receives Rozier, a 2021 first round pick, and then two second round picks in 2023. I don't know if there's any protections on that pick. And then Charlotte receives Miles Turner and Jalen LeCue, so here's my thing. I, I'm a fan of Miles Turner. I, I know his style is very much a pick and pop type of guy. Uh, his three point shot really doesn't scream to me as, as someone that's like that effective in a pick and pop game. But that's that's the type of game that he plays. Although coming from Zeller, uh, who doesn't really shoot much from behind the arc, he's going to give you something. Miles Turner, that is. And defensively, obviously, he's going to give this team a true rim protector. And I'm not sure he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, but he's definitely going to be in the conversation. Yeah, I do. I do think it's funny though that the one season in which it feels like the talk surrounding Miles Turner to Charlotte is at its heaviest, which I feel like is this season. It's also when I feel like Turner's value is at his highest. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think that this trade is unfair by any means. I think it's. You know, it, it seems like something that could go down, but I would not trade next year's first round pick unless it was lottery protected. So I know that you have some thoughts on Miles Turner, and I'll let you jump here in a second. One good news, if you want to call it that, he signed for two more seasons, so it's not yeah. it's not one of these expirings. Uh, so if you get him in the system and, and he, he likes playing with LaMelo next year, you can kind of convince him to stay a little bit longer. So it's a fair trade. I like Miles Turner. I just wouldn't trade a first round pick unless it was protected next year. Yeah. I I think this trip, well, first of all, let me start here. I would be absolutely floored. And I mean that in all intents and purposes, if the Hornets traded Terry Rozier, I know that's been the popular thing for the Hornets community to discuss for a while. Now, can we just get Rozier on this contract to be tradable? He's beyond that to this team. Now, not, not to every team, to this team, he's too valuable to this Charlotte Hornets team that is trying to win now because we're trying to win every year. We our, our owner is Michael Jordan. They're not trading Terry Rozier. So any hypotheticals that you think about in your head, I would I would try hard this exercise, leave Rozier off of them just because they're not going to trade him. Not this season. But this offseason is a different conversation. We'll see. Uh, a lot of factors depending on that, but I, they're not trading yeah. right now. Let, so. let me interject real quick. I, I feel like if you were yeah. going to trade Terry Rozier, it would be more from the seller's point of view. Like, hey, let's sell him while he's high and not make a trade like this where you're bringing in Miles Turner. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like if you're trading Rozier, it would probably be for like future assets, like picks or something like that. Obviously you need, you need money to match, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't think Rozier is going to be on the move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, to your point, I mean, this team, they don't have like they're 500. There, there's, there is a hunger. There is an appetite to win this season. He's so important to that. It, you know, if the Hornets were 10 games under 500 be a, and he was playing the same way, mm-hmm. this would be a totally different conversation. But we're just not there. In terms of this trade, uh, I, I, yeah, it's a little, I mean, it depends on that first round pick yeah. in 2021. Obviously, the summer, you know, if it's unprotected, no way. I would, you could maybe get me to top 10 protected Richie, um, of course, without Rozier on the table. So it would be something like, um, uh, let's say, you know, Zeller's expiring, uh, top 10 protected first round pick. And then, yeah, sure, I'll throw you a second. Um, that's about as far as I'm really going for Miles Turner. I like Miles Turner. He's a great defensive center. He would really change the dynamic of this Charlotte team mm-hmm. defensively. I'm not a huge believer. He's only 25 years old. I understand, but I'm not a huge believer in his offensive ceiling. He, he's really not that good of an outside shooter. He's streaky yeah. at best. Um, not a guy you can throw into the post and, and he, can, he can go and finish. Not a great player in the short roll. Like, I, ju- I just think he's he's just okay at everything offensively. Um, so I'd rather the Hornets just get a, like an average defensive center that can really shoot it from the outside and actually has some playmaking chops in the short roll. Like that that would I think that would do more to this team's ceiling right now this year mm-hmm. um, than a guy like Miles Turner. But to your point, he's a, you know you have team control with this guy at 25 years old for two more seasons at about 17 and a half million. That's the real selling point for Indiana. Right. All right. Next fake trade. Sacramento sends Rashawn Holmes. Charlotte sends Biombo and two second round picks next year. The listener actually commented after submitting this that all trades are now void. Uh, we are currently sellers. I think that was kind of a reaction to LaMelo's injury. I actually don't think this gets it done uh, in terms of like Sacramento Agreed. doing this. Yeah. I actually am pretty high on Rashawn Holmes. Um, I'm all for trying to get him. He is. I'm a little hesitant because he's an unrestricted free agent. That's the biggest hangup for me. Uh, You'd almost have to have some kind of inclination that he really wanted to re-sign here uh, in the offseason. But I do love his style of play. I mean, he's killing it on both ends of the court. Uh, We all know about that push shot that he has in the short mid-range. He's got that down pat. He's versatile on the other end of the court. Like he can guard out in space or he can body up a big, like he's, he's a two way big. And I don't know how old he is, maybe like 27, 28 years old. So he's, he's not as young as Turner, but he's still fairly young uh, in NBA years. And do you ever wonder because he's an unrestricted free agent this year, like, is this just him playing out of his mind because it's a contract year? I don't know. I don't know if that's really, if that plays into factor or not. Well, Holmes has been, you know, yeah. Rashawn's been pretty good for a few seasons. Yeah, that's now. true. That's um, true. Yeah, Phoenix just, you know, they just gave him away. Anyways, finish what you were saying. Like I said, I, I don't think this trade gets done as this person is, is is constructing it. I just don't think that Sacramento would go for it. I do think that you would have to include a protected first round pick, and and then I would have to consider it. But again, the unrestricted free agency is what gets me hesitant about Holmes. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, why Holmes is really a, an interesting uh, target for Charlotte specifically is because they're one of two teams with cap space in the league yeah. right now. You know, Charlotte's got about $4 million in cap space. And, you know, Rashawn Holmes' cap hit, you know, right at $5 million, they don't have to do much to trade for him in terms of, you know, salary, salary. switching teams. 
Um, to, but you, you made the key point is what kind of draft capital are you willing to part ways with? I, if I think if I could get Sacramento to the table and, and get, get them to down to like a, a top 12, 13 protected first round pick and you know, whatever. I mean, at that point I just got to find Jalen McDaniels or whatever. Right, I mean, I right. think that's, that's the only salary we'd need going out. Like, I'd hang up and say, you know, I'd say, let me get back to you. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go, yeah. we're going to go talk about this. Like I would think about that because I do think Holmes is, he is 27 years old, about 27 and a half years old. Um, he's a, a vastly improving player. Uh, love his energy. I just, I just like everything he is as a basketball player. You know, I think there's, I think there's some value. Like, yes, he's an unrestricted free agent, but I do think, you're still going to have is you're still going to have some bird rights on him, right? You're still going to have some ways to resign him that other teams in the league don't. And I think there's some value in that. And he's not a 32 year old center who this is just a rental. I think there's a point to be made. If you, if you trade for him and things go right, he could be a part of your future for the next two to three, four seasons. That's not crazy to me. Um, and, it, and if things don't go as you expect, great. He's an unrestricted free agent. You, you move on. You made this trade to win more games this year. So this is a really interesting uh, target, uh, yeah. I think, when it when it comes to Charlotte trade deadline chatter. He's my favorite big that is somehow like related to the Hornets, but he's also one that I'm also hesitant about in terms of him leaving in the offseason because I feel like that would be just a waste. If you just don't have any inclination that he's coming back, I just would be so against this trade, but uh, you just never know. And I think too, like when you look at the the Hornets cap space this summer, it's like, it's the eye of the beholder deal. Like, do do we like as Charlotte, do we like Rashawn Holmes so much that he actually would be a part of our free agency priorities over someone like Malik Monk or over someone like Devontae Graham? You know what I mean? So it's just like, th- that's what really matters in, in these when you consider Charlotte at the trade deadline with, with a guy like Holmes who has an expiring contract and is semi young, it's like, are they part of the long-term future? Cause Charlotte already has long-term future decisions to make on young players. The two, I just mentioned Monk and Devonte Graham. So uh, there's a lot of inter- different, interesting, I think ideas to think about with a hy- hypothetical Rashawn Holmes. I think that if the Hornets, let's say, if they did put like a, I'm just throwing this out there, a top 12 protected first round pick for this summer mm. for Holmes, I think they would get national pushback on that. I think that I wouldn't, I wouldn't view it immediately as that. It, this would be like a wait and see because what that tells me is that Holmes is he's part of the long term idea, long term in, in terms of the next two or three years, if that makes sense. And here's my thing. I was going to bring this up at the end of the pod, but in terms of uh, free agency, we always talk about how Charlotte, it's, it's going to be hard for them to be players in free agency. Maybe with LaMelo now, they become more of a destination, if you if you want to call it that. But you might have to acquire a big through a trade, even if that means giving up future assets. And I think yeah. Charlotte might have to go that route, whether that's now or, or in the off season. And, and, we, and the last thing we can't forget about trading for a center yeah. that's under contract long terms. I mean, I understand they were second round picks, but Charlotte did just spend two picks <laughs> on a center on two centers, right? Th- this past summer. And I, I don't think they did that for, you know, for chuckles. Like I right. think there's real hope for carrier Richards. Like one of these will hit. So uh, it's just something else to remember. It's like, oh, we need a center so bad. Like, 
I, I still think that there is hope that that Vernon Carey probably more likely will actually come online at some point. So it's just something to remember. Sometimes I forget about those two, and then sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, we do have two centers that are just sitting on our bench yeah. that don't get any playtime. Yep. All right, this next trade is 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 kind of strange to me. I, I just I don't know if I can get on board with this one. Charlotte gets Lonzo Ball and JJ Redick, and then New Orleans gets a first round pick and Terry Rozier. The listener says you can immediately ship out Redick for a second, and it also gives you an A-plus level playmaker in the backcourt with both of the balls. Now, this trade doesn't actually work under the salary cap, so I had to add McDaniels to make it work. Just a slight little adjustment there. I I just don't know if I can get on board with this. I mean, I think a lot of people are intrigued by LaMelo and Lonzo playing together. I don't know how you feel about them playing together. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's some kind of special powers that they have that they're going <laughs> to unlock by playing with each right. other, almost like the Martin twins. I'm intrigued, I guess, but ultimately not sure this is the route that I would go. And you mentioned Rozier and, and trying not to kind of consider him with the, the Hornets, but Rozier and a first, like that's that's a lot to give up for me. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Lonzo's playmaking is great. His, his shooting from deep has improved. I will say this. I think Lonzo is a restricted free agent this offseason, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So um, again, one of those concerns that you could have. But uh, again, you can match anything being a restricted free agent. So I don't know. I, this this is a weird, strange trade to me. I don't think this is really the route that they would go anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of trying to like fake my way through this one as we talk about it. I mean, again, I think if you're trading for if you're sending out Rosier, someone that you have under team control for one more year right. for someone like Lonzo Ball and JJ Redick, Lonzo Ball is a restricted free agent. So that means, okay, we, yes, obviously we're going to try to, or we already have an agreement under the table with Lonzo to extend him, uh, to resign him when his contract runs out this summer and JJ Redick's expiring. So I, I just, yeah, I think my question here would be what does it actually do? to improve yeah. Charlotte's roster in the long term. I, I like Alonzo Ball. I'm not sure I'm as high on him as maybe the majority narrative is. Um, I think I would just rather keep Rozier through this year and and just see how next year's going. Rozier, by the way, is going to be very valuable on an expiring contract where I think if things if, – if, if the floor kind of falls through, I can get a first-round pick for him probably next year. And I, let me just hold on to my draft capital. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't view Lonzo Ball as as being worth basically what it, what in my eyes is like two first round picks because right. I, I think I can get a first round pick for Rozier next right. year anyways, and right. I'm giving you a first now for all for basically Lonzo Ball. I, I don't know how that moves the needle for me. Yeah. All right. Next trade: Jackson Hayes and Josh Hart to Charlotte, Malik Monk and Biombo to New Orleans. So another trade involving New Orleans. We actually talked about Hayes on the last pod, athletic freak that can pair well with LaMelo. Obviously LaMelo's injured right now, but uh, that pairing I think would be good as a pick and roll thread on offense. He also protects the rim. Uh, He's probably still a work in progress as a defender out in space. He's playing more now, but I mentioned this in the last pod that He's actually had about like 10 or so DNPs with New Orleans. So it's almost like New Orleans didn't know what to do with him at first. Uh, but you will get him in the system for a couple more years after this and let him grow with the youngsters. And then Josh Hart, I don't know how to feel about him. I've never really been like a huge fan of him. He's like one of those players that does a little bit of everything, but you know doesn't necessarily wow you in any one area. And he, like Lonzo Ball, is a restricted free agent this offseason. So 
I do think Monk is a player on the Hornets roster that feels like could get traded. And to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a fan of Jackson Hayes. And this trade is this trade's decent to me. I think I would consider it. Again, I don't know how New Orleans feels about Jackson Hayes right now. I, I don't hate this trade. No. Um, you know, I, I go back and forth with Monk, but I actually think this trade could could make Charlotte. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Jackson Hayes. I just don't know how playable he is right away. But I think just like taking Monk out of the rotation and, and putting Josh Hart in, I think that actually makes him better. That's probably not going to be a very popular opinion, but I think jo- Josh Hart reminds me of like a like a Courtney Lee kind of player, just right. in terms of. Hornets fan, like he, like you said, he kind of does a little bit of everything. He can shoot it from the wing. He's a good defensive player. Then guard a few positions. Like he just has a level of toughness to him and utility that Malik Monk just doesn't at this point in his career. So I think he makes he makes you better uh, right away. He's a restricted free agents this summer, so that that brings some questions. Yeah, and then Jackson Hayes would give you would give you a, a project, kind of a second draft kind of guy. I think another name similar to Jackson Hayes that has, I would think most people would say is underperformed on his rookie contract as the center of the league is Wendell Carter Jr. I think that if, if I were Mitch Kupchak, I would be calling Chicago and seeing, you know, what is the temperature on him? What's it going to cost? So I don't hate this trade. I actually like this trade the more I'm <laughs> thinking about it and staring at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, it's kind of like it's Monk Hayes kind of challenge trade. Right. And then I'm getting Josh Hart, someone that makes me better now. Oof, this is a pretty good one. Yeah, it, it seems fair. I don't know if New Orleans would ask for a little bit more. Yeah, I think I don't think I, I agree. I don't think this gets it done for New Orleans. Yeah, I think they're going to want they're going to ask for a first and Charles going to say no. And then no. Charles going to say, how about a second or two seconds? And they're going to say not enough. And then the conversation ends. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a good one though. This, I, I like the the concept yeah. in this one. I actually tend to lean with these types of trades, kind of like these like fringy trades where it doesn't feel like there's two like big or prominent of players that are involved, like a Jackson Hayes. Like I feel like that's a route that the Hornets could go. In terms of the philosophy, Spencer, kind of moving forward into this trade deadline, a lot of listeners are commenting on the fact that Devontae or Malik Monk in this trade that we just mentioned are both expiring contracts in that if they have no plans of bringing them back, that it feels like Mitch needs to trade one of these two. And I I do think it does make some sense when you think about it that way. But also with LaMelo out, you need as much playmaking and ball handlers as you can get for the the playoff push, if you want to call it. These are kind of the questions that our listeners are asking. I'm asking, do you feel like that's a fair comment to make that, hey, Devontae and or Monk need to be traded by Thursday because they may not be on the roster next year? Or do you just live with them and try to try to play with them for the rest of the season and, and wherever they go in the off season, that's where they go. Yeah. I think it's definitely a fair um, point to make. I, I think it's hard. It, it's kind of hard for me to imagine that the Hornet and this, this could happen, um, but it's hard for me to imagine that the Hornets are going to have under contract Terry Rozier, LaMelo ball, Devontae Graham, Malik Monk starting next year. You know, like it, it's just, I would say that three of those four are kind of just they're almost they're not zeros defensively, but they're pretty close. And Rozier um is 
regressed, I would say, defensively in, in certain aspects of the game. I, I still think that he's a little underrated on that end. But, you know, with the offensive load he has now, he's regressed. So four guards that are at best one of them's average defender. Like, I don't know if that's where I'm putting my money. Um, so I so that's why I really think the point is is pretty good. I think that I bet you behind the scenes, the Hornets are burning up the phones on Malik Monk right now. And I kind of hinted at that a little bit earlier. It's just it's, it's a total guess. But I, you know, there's been all this stuff. Maybe Devontae Graham, maybe they don't see him as part of their long-term future. Mm-hmm. I think Devontae, we know what Devontae Graham is. Like, if the Hornets can get him on a fair contract, extend him at a fair deal, I think they can trade him years from now. And I think they know that. Whereas Malik Monk is much more powder keg-eyed, the beholder, still young. Um, the eye, there's still this pie-in-the-sky idea of him. I think Charlotte's got enough data and, and enough of a sample now to suggest that it's probably not going to be the outcome. So I would be hunting across the league to find out what teams still believe that could be the outcome for him and try to t- try to recoup something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not me saying I don't believe in Malik Monk's potential. I think he's made a lot of strides. Okay, I think he's improved in a lot of areas, certainly as a playmaker. I still watch Malik Monk and, and question what he actually is long term. Is is he is he this dynamic second scorer with with real defensive potential because of his athleticism? Yeah, I mean we can talk about that idea forever, but he he consistently falls short of, of being that player on the basketball court, and, and we're in year number four here. So yeah. that's my scout. That's that's my view of Malik Monk. Not hating on him. I would just if I were Mitch Kupchak, I would be finding a team that's going to give me a you know late first round something yeah. something in terms of draft capital. And like you mentioned, there's only so many spots to go around uh, in terms of the guard position, and it just doesn't feel like, like you like you said, all four of those guards are going to be back on this team. It just doesn't make a whole ton of sense. And I would be okay if, if for whatever reason, Charlotte couldn't find a trade partner for Monk, and they just use him to kind of push for the playoffs and, and use him as a secondary ball handler and, and use him coming off the bench because they're going to need that with LaMelo out. But I also think that they would be wise to explore options for Malik Monk because in all likelihood, he may not be with this team next season. So in terms of my thoughts on this philosophy, kind of moving forward, heading into Thursday, the questions that I keep asking myself, and I've mentioned it throughout the course of this um, podcast, is whether or not like I'd be willing to part with the first round pick. Like, is that something? And by first round pick, I mean a heavily protected first round pick. If if you as a listener, if you as a Hornets fan are willing to part with the first round pick, uh, you obviously are, are willing to realize that in a couple years from now that if that first round pick is no longer sitting with Charlotte, you can't be complaining. But if you are one of those fans that is sitting there is like, okay, no way are we going to be able to part with the first round pick, then you are also okay with not improving this team drastically this season and beyond. And a player like Miles Turner or a player like Rashawn Holmes it's going to be hard to find one of those players in free agency of someone of that caliber. And if you feel like the center position is in dire need of some kind of improvement, it may make sense to make that trade with one of those two. Because like I said, I don't know if Charlotte is at that point uh, to where they can just pick up anyone on a contract that is fair. And these are all the questions that I'm asking myself as we approach Thursday. I tend to lean, like I said, if they're going to make a trade, it's going to be one of those trades kind of on the the outskirts uh, where it's not so prominent, maybe like a Jackson Hayes. One thing I, I have considered 
do you think Charlotte will wait and maybe see if there's any buyout candidates? Or do you think most of those buyout candidates will probably go to contenders uh, for the NBA title? Yeah, the buyout market is not going to be Charlotte's friend, I don't think. Uh, old, old true friend Kevin Arnovitz put this very, very well actually today in, in a podcast, or I guess it was yesterday, um, talking about how like the Lakers, for instance. When the Lakers go into the buyout market, that's not, um, you know, they're not bidding. They're not bidding the, uh, for a player. They're inviting a player to come play for the Lakers, right? <laughs> like, like, like that's, that's who the Hornets would be competing with for the Andre Drummonds of the world or uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, is another name. So I don't think they have a realistic chance of landing a, a Denver's maker in the buyout market. And I think your, your point is dead on, Richie. I mean, philosophically, like Charlotte does, they, they do have to prioritize the trade market in improving their roster and plugging roster holes over free agency because they're not going to get, they can, they've gotten players in free agency. We've seen that. They just got Gordon Hayward in free agency. It's not impossible but they do have a better chance of getting guys that it do a trade. Obviously right. they just wouldn't be able to get in free agency, which look is why I totally get both sides of the argument with miles Turner. Mm-hmm. Like I, I get it. it again, 17 and a half million for two more seasons. One of the best defensive centers in the NBA. If the Hornets decided top five protected pick is worth it for us. Like I wouldn't have done it, but I'm also <laughs> understanding like, that's what it's like. That's life is a small market, right? Like you, you have to part ways with things that the other teams don't because they have this free agency luxury where they can go get difference makers. Charlotte doesn't have that luxury. So if their calculus is, this is what we have to part ways with to improve the roster now. And that is what we want to do. Improve the roster now. Fine. I mean, I, I I'm not going to say that's the wrong decision. Just not the decision I would have made. I got to get going here, Spencer, but is there any last thoughts or a player or a trade that you have in mind before we get out of here? I don't think so. I think, I think we've said most of it. I I think that they will have conversations all the way down to the wire because um, I I just, I believe there is uh, an appetite to improve the roster this season, even after the LaMelo ball injury. I think that if you, if you really dig in and you look at some of the numbers, many, what we, many of uh, that we've mentioned in this podcast, I think there's more optimism for the rest of the season than maybe just the gut reaction of all oh, the balls out. You know, the, the Hornets are done. They're doomed. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think this team can, can really still jockey and fight for that six seed. That's probably a little bit above their weight, yeah. but um, I, I still think they can finish in the top eight. So I, I yeah, I think they're going to try to make a trade before Thursday. Yeah, they're definitely a resilient and scrappy team, and, and we saw that against the Spurs. They've got to come out Wednesday and beat the Rockets. That That's a must-win game in, in the sense that, you know, if you're going to make a push for that six or seven seed, you got to win the games that you're supposed to. So I know, I know that Houston's on a winning streak right now, but uh, got to get that win. As always, we'd appreciate the support. If you guys want to show us more love, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast for Spencer. I am Richie. We will see you guys next time.